Hello, everyone. This is another episode of the FortiGuard Labs Threat Intelligence Podcast. My name is Jonas, and today I don't own, I not only have my co-host Amar Lakani, but also Arturo Torres with me. Amar, my friends, how are you doing? Man, I'm wonderful. I'm good. It's uh, it's early. We usually do this at my night, your your mornings, uh, but uh, it's opposite today. It's my morning, your night. So so it's a little different, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you you guys had to adjust to me, so uh, I appreciate it as well. I know getting up early is not always easy, but uh, we also have someone from Mexico, but who's even on business travel in Panama right now. Arturo, how have you been? Hey guys, so I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's gonna be fun today, man. It's it's our pleasure. Pleasure. We we picked a super interesting topic because not too long ago we released a global threat landscape report and. We figured three guys from three different nations uh, covering three different regions is quite suitable for this kind of podcast. And we have a lot of things to cover. So I suggest we immediately jump into the topic because one of the things which jumped out immediately when we were analyzing the recent threats and statistics over the last six months um, is about the most active malware groups out there. So these APT groups and the one which stands out all the way at the top is Lazarus. And Lazarus has been known to be a little bit of a hybrid one because usually APT groups are not really financially motivated, but this one is financially motivated and also espionage motivated. Omar, have you seen a lot of activity from Lazarus recently in your region as well? So in the US, like I said, Lazarus is always being talked about. Uh, you know, we've seen clients, we've seen a lot of uh, clients that have come to us and said like, Hey, it's causing them issues in their organization. Um, they feel like there's been you know, a lot of, uh, um, you know, just just a lot of uh, different code malware, possibly even ransomware, uh, you know, associated to Lazarus. They've, uh, you know, had individuals that have claimed, uh, you know, they have had, uh, you know, uh, crypto wallets and things like that stolen through Lazarus. So it seems like it's a it's a pretty active group in like all manners and not just attacks and like one type of attack. So um, I would say we've we've definitely seen them active. Um, you know, we've seen them active usually from a standpoint of a lot of conversations. I would say rather than investigations that I've personally been in, that could be definitely different for our IR teams. But uh, from a lot of conversations, our uh, our our clients, especially here in uh, U.S. and Canada, I would say are um, definitely I wouldn't say worried about them, but it's definitely top of mind for them. Yeah, I think Lazarus is just an interesting threat actor specifically because they're operating out of North Korea, state-sponsored, and they have been one of the most successful APT groups over the last decade. I think they were participating in many bank heists. They were very successful with ransomware, but also when it comes to uh, espionage uh, attacks. Arturo, when we look about Latin America, what, what can you share with us regarding the APT groups over there? What are the recent findings? Well, uh, it's pretty interesting because uh, if we are going uh, to talk about this uh, specific uh, Lazarus APT group, uh, it's been a lot of uh, activity here in Latin America, uh, mostly in financial institutions, right? Uh, we already know the evolution of the, the their techniques and, and the back, the, uh, specifically the backdoor backdoor techniques. And you said about that that uh, it's uh, this APT group it's related to some ransomware campaigns like uh, WannaCry, right? But also, there's uh, other operations or targeting industries like, for example, healthcare or manufacturing, right? So we need to be careful about that. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and another one which stands out is it's a little bit more in, in my region. It's a state-sponsored group out of Vietnam, and we saw uh, 10% of all the samples in the wild are attributed to that specific group called Ocean Lot- Lotus. And um, we have seen them using zero laser tags as well, so they have quite some sophisticated capabilities. And um, mainly playing around with the Tori IoT botnet. So a little bit more on the IoT front, um, they stay active over there. Is that also a topic which you guys see more and more prevalent, um, IT and IoT? So, um, yeah, I, um, I I can go ahead and start with that. That You know, that's, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I do think that I know we have a lot of listeners here that are always wondering, like, you know, how you know how how much do they worry about like iot bots i can tell you that most people don't even really understand how much like iot devices they have in their systems a lot of times there's so many iot devices out there that uh they um uh, you know they just don't have the features turned on right they don't have them connected to the network and they think it's it's not a threat but we we've seen this as a threat before attackers like attack these systems they use them as uh jumping grounds or launching points for other attacks and uh you know from that standpoint uh it's 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 a big deal now luckily at least in my region or at least in my world i haven't come across um like a lot of like active attacks against iot i've seen we've seen a lot of attempts we've seen a lot of like blocks and like you know logs and ips and intrusions but we haven't seen um too many successful attacks and now it doesn't mean they're not there it just probably means that we probably caught a snapshot in time because a lot of these devices do get reset once the power goes off or, you know, the device gets reset, but it doesn't mean they're not being used for active attacks, uh, you know, when, when they're active and attackers will get back into them. And, uh, and I think we're going to see more of that, especially in this region. Uh, uh, you, you know, there's a, there's a small, foot, uh, you know, thread footprint, but it's, it's a very, from a coding standpoint compared to like a Windows box, but at the same time, um, you know, it gives a lot of opportunities for attackers to hide pretty easily. Yeah, I so I totally agree with you, uh, Amar. Because um, right now we are living in the new era, right? That we have a lot of uh, intelligent devices uh, connected to our network, collecting information, and most of those devices devices are not. Uh, uh, they don't have like a, a specific vulnerability management uh, strategy. So uh, with that said, imagine that you are running a business, you install some uh, CCTV cameras, you have like other sensors in your in your business, right? Uh, you are collecting all this specific data, but you don't have like a strategy to protect that that data. Now we are looking uh, like more specific malware campaigns on or or vulnerabilities uh, of those IoT devices because of that, right? And we are looking for more uh, code reuse because we are seeing uh, now more uh, variants, for example, for. IoT uh, malware devices, for example, Mirai is one of the best examples that uh, takes control of these specific devices to make some uh, distributed denial of service attacks, right? So this is something that we are seeing all the while, and it's uh, pretty exponential right now, right? Yeah, you, you mentioned these malware samples uh, or two, and I know you dig through a lot of statistics every single day, and when I look at the report specifically, we classified them under four different categories. So on one hand, we have the remote access trojans, we have ransomware, we have information stealers, and we have crypto miners. 
what is your um, view on these four different categories? And maybe you can quickly give a recap for all of our listeners. What is exactly the difference between these four categories and what's the purpose and motivation behind them? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing because those specific uh, malware campaigns or strategies, if we want to call uh, of that, uh, most of them are based on the financial motivation. So, But uh, the specific way that they try to install those specific malware uh, using, for example, most of that uh, known vulnerabilities, right? For example, if they want to have, uh, for example, the, the remote access Trojan, so that they they want to have control to take control of your device, right? And they can uh, perform some uh, malicious actions, not, uh, not, not only, for example, uh, the our service attacks, but they want to maybe move laterally or, or steal other uh, information, uh, personal information, or something like that, right? But if we want to talk about ransomware, that it's a whole topic, uh, it's strategically uh, focused on, uh, for example, cybercrime, right? Uh, they want to ransom the victim taking information uh, of the organizations or maybe to other institutions, right, that, that related to the specific victim. Uh, for info stealers and crypto mining, I think the, the name speaks from themselves. They want to steal information. They want to take control of your machine or device just to other uh, malicious activities, right? Uh, most of them, specifically crypto miner and uh, uh, InfoStealer are pretty, pretty active in Latin America because it's pretty easy to deploy them, right? The the attackers are using, for example, Google Ads uh, just to deploy these uh, uh, or distribute these uh, specific malware campaigns, right? This is something that we are uh, going to see more and more often because we are now uh, living on the internet using uh, new specific, uh, for example, uh, artificial intelligence tools that are uh, on the wild. And some of us try to like uh, try new of these specific tools, but uh, maybe we can uh, look into these specific uh, phishing campaigns, right? That try to distribute these specific malware uh, campaigns uh, to infect our devices. Yeah, you you raised some some good points here. I, I like the one you just mentioned at the end. It's a very popular TTP these days, purchasing ads on search engines and weaponizing some kind of this software toolkits with some information stealers and crypto miners. So individuals download them to their computers and execute them, and then the attacker has quite some visibility thanks to these information stealers and crypto miners, which are using a lot of resources from the, the victim. Amar, when, when I know you, you look a lot about information stealers, what's, what's new on the front, what is your current view regarding these categories? You know, information stealers is something that's popular like across the board on all different uh, systems, like even like uh, uh, iOS devices. It's so funny, I always people always ask me, hey, is that our Apple devices or iPhones kind of like uh, the, one of the most secure devices out there but um you know one of the top types of uh attacks or malware that we see on those devices is information stealers because you don't you don't necessarily need to run an exploit to do you know to have an information stealer right you just have to kind of have to be good convincing software and um and information stealers they you know when you look at this category of everything else you have jonas uh or everything else you discuss like rats and ransomware and some some of these other things information stealers kind of seem like hey it could be like like the lowest thing kind of like the most like the least important thing and it's almost the opposite because it's usually used uh you know to couple 
and chain a lot of other more complicated attacks. In fact, a lot of people that do get infected by uh, like rats, remote access trojans and uh, ransomware and some of the more, um, you know, deadlier attacks that like devastate an organization, it usually comes in through an information stealer or an information stealer in the past that like stolen things like VPN credentials or uh, two-factor authentication hashes or something like that. Yeah, I think some of the biggest attacks in 2022 against some of the biggest corporations in the world actually were leveraging information stealers because they were infecting a bunch of personal devices and then they were stealing credentials, usernames, passwords, email addresses, and some threat actors bought some bulks of these compromised credentials and were sorting them based on the domain name. And then they saw some pretty big domains in there from uh, big corporations. And uh, luckily for them, unfortunately for the for the corporations, these credentials were um, were be able to be reused for getting access to this corporation, and then from there it it went pretty bad because the threat actor was able to leverage the credentials, bypass um, multi-factor authentication, and then he was able to get access to the computer. And as you said, then the the real work work starts because then they start deploying remote access trojans and other kind of malware, and. When we look at remote access Trojans, there's one specific sample which I would like to highlight a little bit more because we all saw it gone for quite a while, um, but it's back. And we, we're talking about Emotet. And Emotet is known as a banking Trojan. So even though the name is called banking Trojan, it's more something which is being deployed on an end user's computer and it's, it's going after banking information. So it's quite sophisticated enough to understand what kind of transactions are happening and this stealing this kind of information or even redirecting some of these payments. And I actually analyzed one of these samples just uh, two weeks ago and I came across a new trend um, which I haven't seen before because in the past when I opened these phishing documents in, in Word or Excel, they usually had a message at the top where they mentioned uh, please click enable content button um, and they made some story around that for the victim to do that but in this case this spreadsheet which i opened used trusted locations in microsoft excel which means the attacker asks the victim to move this file to a specific folder and everything which is being executed out of this specific folder is trusted by microsoft by default so it's it's by design and it was quite interesting to see this, this approach what, what no, 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 no. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, I mean, the 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 attacker they still have to do some social some sort of social engineering to get the victim to move that right. The file doesn't just show up in that directory or folder, right? They still have to physically move that file, right? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because if I think about a potential victim, I I I believe it's much easier to trick him to click enable content because it's just one click instead of motivating him to move a file. To a specific default Windows template folder, but you're right, completely right. They still need user interaction. In this case, means copy paste this file into a specific folder in in order to be executed. But once they open it from that specific folder, the macros are being executed without any additional warnings. Yeah, I know. I know for us, it's easy a lot of times to think that it may be difficult because, like, you know, we're taking it from our point of view, right? But but also, uh, you know, you know, we don't. We don't we don't live in the world of like victim. We we use cybersecurity every day, like twenty four by seven, right? But at the same time, um, you know, I'm wondering if you can, you know, kind of script that, manipulate that, you know, you know, put it into like a copy and paste link, 
or uh, you know you know is there is there something easier than you can do than you can uh, than just telling a victim hey go to this directory and copy the file into this directory and and run the file but even if you do that um like i said uh, you know someone's perspective may be very different than ours yeah definitely it's uh it's quite an interesting technique so i I'm, i just said jenna something very interesting to me because uh one one of the best way to uh, deliver these uh, specific malware campaigns uh, are from uh, using uh, malicious documents, right? Like uh, you said, Excel, but it's one of the uh, most active uh, malware de uh, delivery mechanism that we are uh, detecting around the world. And this is, I think, the the, the most active campaigns delivered by uh, Excel malicious Excel files, right? Uh, also, we are uh, uh, we are looking uh, specifically for this uh, emotive campaign that uh, the attackers are sharing code amongst these specific variants of, of emotive. Uh, we highlighted in the in our thread report that uh, we are analyzing uh, a lot of different emotive variants and discovered that uh, most of them uh, are sharing code. And this is pretty interesting because we are uh, using a machine learning algorithm just to correlate uh, the the behavior of the code, right? And we are looking at that, that uh, most of the new uh, emoted uh, variants or samples are very different where they still showing code, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to point out again that malware is being developed like normal software. So malware has software updates, threat actors, they release new versions. So when we look at specific samples, from a year ago or multiple years ago and the one from two weeks ago, these samples are not the same. And uh, what you mentioned, Artur, is super interesting indeed when we look at the amount of the code base, which is similar than older samples, but for some of them, it looks like these communities have not been, or one of these samples have not been using other kind of code, which probably has some, uh, it's probably security bypass um, that it can bypass some security layers maybe maybe it's a little bit harder to obfuscate um Amar, do you have any idea what the recent trends are regarding that uh just from a bypass standpoint that's that's one of the things that uh you, you know is occurring like on a daily if not like a you know per minute basis by threat actors um uh, you know emotet you 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 mentioned this is what they like if if anyone's followed any threat report they've been hearing about emotet for years and years and i'm sure they're thinking like hey why can't we detect that or why can't uh you know you uh, you know a security company stop that well it's not it's not the same emotet right it's the techniques not only change from uh you know two ways from a coding standpoint and an evasion standpoint but um but they change also from a phishing standpoint like if uh, users as you said are giving like blind access by putting these files in trusted folders or something like that they're they're going to run into those issues it's it's the same thing i think with threats in general is that the evasion techniques are always um being thought of all the time and how to like take advantage of that against their victims yeah very um interesting movements definitely when we look at threat actors how they are developing their their malware and how it gets more sophisticated and how much resources they are investing to make these kind of malwares more sophisticated and more successful, which in the end is a big reason why cybercrime is, is, is being very successful because they invest a lot of resources, they have some sophisticated tools and techniques, skilled engineers, which makes it, um, which makes it more difficult for us on the defensive side for sure. 
You know, I find it important. Just no, I was I was just gonna say what well, I find it interesting, and we don't we don't know this for sure. We don't know like the threat actors infrastructure, but just looking at you know um you, you know how you know you know the history of attacks and looking at you know you know the the Fortinet Fortigar Labs uh, you know threat research report along with reports we've done in the past. It seems it's like pretty pretty obvious some threat actors at least have you know have invested in infrastructure. They're obviously testing against like multiple you know, types of uh, security uh, mitigation tools, probably they have their own like private version or their own uh, whole version of, uh, you know, someone like Virus Total, where they have multiple AVs that they're testing from. And, you know, these things are not, uh, you know, they're not cheap. Uh, they're, you know, and they take work not only to obtain, but also to maintain as well. And, and so there must be a little bit of, you know, infrastructure staff, like dedicated to some of these threat actors, right? They may, they, they probably have like something that is, as equivalent of a sys admin that's running in the background that's like taking care of all these things or putting everything on a cloud services or whatever they may be using. Yeah, definitely. Arturo, you wanted to say something? Yeah, uh, I want to say that uh, we actually, uh, I think a few months ago, we released a, a, an interesting blog that explained uh, the behavior of those Excel documents. It's a very technical blog. If you want to know more about the site, I would recommend to go to uh, our uh, forum and you can find this specific report and understand the the code of the attacker, right? The IOCs, what's happened uh, behind the scenes, right? And it's it's pretty amazing uh, how the attackers are developing new ways to infect our devices and bypass all these uh, defense uh, techniques, right? Definitely. In, in general, we, we can't cover the whole threat report in this podcast. We are already at the running out of time already. But I think it's worth mentioning that for um, it, it's it's in, it's an interesting read. I highly recommend for everyone reading it, especially for this specific report. We were focusing a little bit more on the left side of the kill chain. And when I say left side of the kill chain, we in the past we were not um, going very deep when it came to reconnaissance and resource development but in this case we were really that we were we were discovering much more details about what is happening on the reconnaissance phase because every attack starts with some reconnaissance and we're getting much more telemetry information we're getting much more insights about what kind of chatter do we see on underground forums what is the most likelihood that the threat actors will move towards their, what kind of information will they use for the new kind of attacks? And we highlighted this quite well in the report and it's definitely worth a, a read. Yeah, I, I think the reason for that is right. In in the past, it was always more fun, at least for me to look at the, uh, I would say the right side of the of the kill chain, right? When you're looking at the exploits, you want to like play around with that and see what the attacks are doing. And, uh, you know, if they're taking advantage of zero days, but, but, uh, but I think Jonas, you make a good point is, the more uh, left side you can get of that kill chain, the more on the recon reconnaissance, the discovery phase, I think um, the more opportunity there is to obviously catch an attack early, uh, you know, hopefully mitigate damages as much as possible. And uh, and I think that's it's a good focus. I think it's a good focus that uh, Fortinet's doing as well as uh, a lot of other security companies are doing as well is they're like, hey, like, let's, I, I think the idea was let's catch the attack early, but let's, let's like think of it, for, you know, in a, uh, you know, from a standpoint of the MITRE attack framework, uh, let's think of it as, uh, you know, from a standpoint of uh, the Lockheed Martin kill chain and think like, hey, how can we get it get to that phase early before the attacker actually starts? And and uh, that's that's definitely been the theme of uh, 
what I read in this thread report, I think, and I think uh, as you're saying, you'd agree as well. Definitely. Amor, Arturo, I want to say thanks a lot for joining for this podcast. And um, Arturo, any final last words from your side? Yeah, sure. Uh, I liked what Amor said. Uh, I think this is pretty interesting and important, and we need to start to develop uh, a digital protection uh, strategy, right? We can use this information about the reconnaissance, the pre-attack phases, and if we can correlate with uh, our business, uh, uh, our risk analysis, we can uh, create a pretty, pretty interesting and good uh, several defensive strategy, right? So keep in mind that. Exactly. If we cannot see something, it's really hard to protect against it. And the more information we have, the more likely we will succeed. Amor, Arturo, thanks so much for joining. I wish you both a wonderful day. For me, it's time to sleep. It's, uh, it's late here in Singapore, but we hear each other soon again. Take care, guys. Hey, thank you. Thank you.